HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Love Bites. I'm your host, Jacqueline Arpozo. This is a Love Bites special, as we are not live in the studio at Heritage Radio this season. Head to lovebitesradio.com or episode 84 for the story as to why that is. Today, I'm coming to you from Distilled Restaurant, which is a kettle space. Kettle space converts beautiful restaurants into daytime workspaces for freelancers, entrepreneurs, and other untethered workers. Membership is only $49 a month, and all kettle spaces around Manhattan have power outlets, high-speed Wi-Fi, bottomless coffee, tea and snacks, and a very cool crew of like-minded members like me. So stay tuned, because at the end of the show today, I'm giving you a code for 20% off your first month of membership. Today, with me at Distilled, is returning guest Sasha Graham. Hello, lady. Hello. So if you've been listening for a little while, you might remember Sasha from episode episode 49 last year we turned to tarot sasha is a tarot reader and the author of the books tarot diva 365 tarot spells and 365 tarot spreads and last time we talked a lot about tarot basics and you dispelled some myths about tarot for us yes and then you blew benjamin's and my minds when you read a card for each of us to start us off for this return to tarot. Ooh, I found the title, Return to Tarot. <laughs> return to Tarot. I love it. To start us off, um, we're going to focus today more about tarot and love specifically mm. and how the tarot can be used to help us on whatever path we're on with love, whether it's self-love or romantic love, since that's what we generally talk about on the show a little bit more than self-love. How in general can tarot guide us on our romantic paths? Well, I love that that 
that's what you're asking me about because as a professional reader, I would say 90% of the people that come to me <laughs> with questions are regarding love. I bet. Right? So how do we ourselves, with a deck of cards, without somebody like me, a reader, sitting across mm -hmm. from them, how can we use the cards to garner wisdom on our love lives? How to attract love, how to give love, how to love better, how to get more kinds of the love that we want. It's actually a really fun and enjoyable thing to do. And it comes down to getting a deck of cards and getting to know the cards. And then you can do the simplest thing in the world, which I still do, which is just pull a single card every day. Tarotists call it the card a day practice. Mm. Most of us do it in the morning, but you're free to do it whenever you like. It involves probably the most important part of tarot, which is just articulating a single question. Ah. You know, people often think that it's that the power rests in the cards or in and it doesn't. The power of tarot resides in ourselves and it resides in the way that we use them. So when we construct a really good question, even if that's just one question every day, like, you know, what do I need to know today or or how can I find someone who's going to love me? These are the questions you can start articulating. Now, we sort of touched upon this last year, but I want to just say it one more time before we listen to a clip about how to ask the right question, which you helped us with last year. As a reader, do you think that when you sit to ask a question that the cards are providing you with an answer or because you are so good at asking, mm -hmm. at helping to articulate the question and guiding people through it. Like Ben and I were both blown away by just the conversations we were having with you that you're a very intuitive, you're a very thoughtful person, you're a very heart focused person too. Like you read people as well as you read <laughs> cards. Sasha. Yeah, yeah. So how, so when we sit by ourselves with a deck of cards, how much of it is our relationship with the cards versus our relationship with ourselves, if that makes sense? It's 100% it's, it's the relationship, actually, that we have with ourselves and what the cards actually do, and it's kind of brilliant in a way. They, they take what's clouding our mind or what's filling our mind or our body, whatever it is that we're consumed with, and by pulling a card or working with the tarot, it takes us out of our head, and suddenly our issues are kind of sitting on the table. Like, you know how it's easy to, like, sit and talk to your best friend, and you can mm. see so clearly what she needs to do because you're the active observer, right? When you're in the midst, especially of something upsetting or passionate, and your head is all cloudy, and you're very emotional about something, it's hard to step outside and get a good vantage point to look at the whole situation holistically. Well, tarot helps you to do that just by our articulating a question and I always suggest writing it down especially in the beginning when you're working with yourself if you write it down then it's clear and it's concise and you can formulate your thoughts again you're taking a step back articulating yourself and then moving forward when you flip the card right well let's listen to this clip this is from our episode 49 where Sasha is breaking down for us how to ask the tarot the specific question that's on our minds it's so important phrasing a really good question, and not only with tarot. This comes with over your morning coffee when you're contemplating something in your own meditative space. Because when you do that, what you actually do is trick your mind into finding the right answer. Because your mind will inadvertently connect the dots after your sentence. So you never want to ask a question that doesn't give you any kind of an out. You never want to ask something like, oh, well, will I ever fall in love? What kind of an answer are you going to get from the cards anyway? And if the answer is no, you're not going to be satisfied with that. You, you don't want to hear that. So you want to formulate something proactive. What can I do to attract the best possible relationship into my life right now? What can I give to my partner to show up better for them? These are the kinds of questions where you can take action on the answer that really help us in our lives. 
Okay, so now that we know how to ask the right question, can you walk us through how do we shuffle? Do we cut? Do we not cut? What are different options for how do we shuffle and flip and determine what the card says for ourselves for that day? Well, let me take you through the whole process so Great. anybody listening to this can can really adapt this practice into their life. And it's something that's really simple and it's really personal and people can take this any way they want, whatever like kind of thrills them in working with the cards. So what I'm just doing is laying out the essential basic steps. So they've come up with a really good question for themselves. And and the the way we know it's a really good question and the way all of us should be work should should be working with tarot in my opinion. Um the way to ask a best the, a good question is to acknowledge the role that you play in, in your future, right? So tarot used to be a lot about fate, fortune and destiny, past, right. present, future. Really the best way to use it is for hindsight, insight mm. and foresight. Right. So when we're considering those things, we can learn from the past, live in the present, and make the best possible decisions toward our future. I love that. It's so much more about personal responsibility and not leaving fate or fortune up to other powers yeah. Yeah. or destiny. It's about yeah. taking charge of your destiny. Yes. And that doesn't mean that there's not so much of magic course, and synchronicity within the cards. Right. But you're acknowledging the power that you have. Right. They're helping you figure out yeah. what part you play in it. Yeah. So they become a tool that helps you. And you'll see, I promise any listener who actively tries to do this for six months, that they will see surprising results in places they may not expect because the act of tarot reading teaches you how to see the world in a different way and you're able to read the signs and sometimes those signs aren't necessarily on cards, you know, often they come mm. in other ways. But so the first thing that when I phrase my question, I put the responsibility entirely in my hands. All right, for instance, I've got a, a trip to Europe coming up and I'm super excited. Today's question in my card a day practice would be something like, what can I do today to ensure that I'm setting myself up for the most phenomenal trip? So really simple. So, okay, I've got my question. What do I need to focus on when I'm dealing with any element of my trip? The next thing that I'll do is shuffle the cards. Now, for me, I shuffle like a casino shuffler in Vegas because that's just the style <laughs> that I do. You do the same thing and that's sort of your... Pretty much, pretty okay. much. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't change that often unless sometimes I love to fan them out if I'm feeling like super snazzy or if I have more than one question. Mm. I know I'm going to pull a couple of cards. Yeah, I do what feels right in the moment. But usually it's a, a regular casino shuffle. Okay. And I shuffle until I feel like it's right. I, you know, I don't just shuffle three times. Um, I shuffle until I feel like my question is kind of infused in the cards and I'm ready. I'm ready to pull. And once you pull, especially for a card a day practice, it's important to stick with whatever card comes up. Some tarot decks have some really challenging cards that can be scary. And sometimes you don't want to see something like the Three of Swords, which can be bloody and scary, first thing in the morning. So if you're in that headspace, remove any scary cards from the deck that you don't want to see. Oh, I like that permission. It's totally okay, right? Okay. The cards are your tool. They're your rules. Humans gave tarot its power. You can use it in any way you like. So always remove a scary card if that's not something you want to see when you wake up on the really good side of the bed. So I've shuffled. And now I'm going to flip. And I got the Ace of Cups, which is this beautiful, heart-opening, overflowing 
full of love, wonderful cards. So when you pull a card at home, especially when you're first working with tarot and you don't need to know anything about the cards, trust me, you don't. Just simply allow your attention to go to whatever catches your eye and that will, that will have meaning. So the Ace of Cups that I'm looking at is a cup overflowing with water. So the immediate, my immediate reaction, instinctual reaction was opening. So I'm going to take that to mean that when something comes up related to my question, the card, I need to stay open, not to make any quick decisions, not to make any rush judgments, but to stay open to all of the possibilities before I rush to make any decisions. And then in addition to that, because it's my card of the day and it's such a yummy card, I just feel like I'm going to live in the space of that card for the day, which is, again, a place of, of openness and happiness. Oh, it's... That's a pretty card. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great it's card, a, yeah. and it's a fun thing to do. Now, it's important, again, when you first begin uh, doing a card of the day practice, after you pull your card, either put it somewhere you can see it, or you're welcome to put it away and forget about it. But it's a great idea to revisit the card at the end of your day. So especially if, you're, if you pull it in the morning, come back to the card that night and, and, and take a mental check like, what happened during, like, you'll find that the card became relevant, maybe made you think of something. Sometimes uh, you'll get an intuitive hit from the card and that thing might come true. It might represent somebody who comes into your life that day. So by revisiting the card just quickly, another five minutes at the end of the day, um, you'll really gain a deep insight into what the card means and you're going to start building your knowledge of tarot. So speaking of building our knowledge of tarot, let's talk romance and love cards. And after the break, we're going to talk about the effect of our show last year on my personal reading a little bit for this past year. But one thing that have not come up very much have been significant romance cards for me in my pulling a day cards. Oh, no. No, but it's actually been a quite lovely thing. It's been a very stress-relieving thing the past year. So it's actually been a good thing. But it has made me realize that I was like, I actually don't know as much about the significant romance cards. So since we are talking about romantic love, why don't you walk us through maybe three of the more significant cards that either we can intentionally pull because we want more of them or that we will immediately have a sharper understanding of if we just pull them in our one-a-day practice. And I love that you mentioned intentionally pulling a card because there's absolutely, it's like one of the greatest things that you can do is to intentionally pull a tarot card in order to access what that card represents because it's a great visual reminder of something that we might want throughout the day. So when you find cards that resonate with you by all means, means use that imagery use those symbol the power of symbol is that it goes straight to the subconscious you know and it has a really great effect so I would say and it was tough to pull that like the three most evocative uh, heart love relationship cards out of the deck but the first card was obviously the lovers the lovers card and in the traditional Rider Waite tarot deck uh, you'll find an image of actually Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with uh, naked standing there kind of in awe of each other with an archangel over them um, but the lovers card I mean, you know it, it doesn't really need much interpreting or description it means love it means passion it means sexuality they're usually naked on the card and nudity and tarot always represents a vulnerability yours are quite garden of eden there my goodness yeah yeah a christian mystic designed these cards so you're, there's actually a lot of christian symbolism on them 
Yeah. I'm flipping through mine now, listeners. I honestly have no clue what my lover's card looks like in my deck. Oh, I can't. I'm going to find out right now. I'm looking forward to seeing. All right, why don't you keep talking while I look for my lover's cards? So, <laughs> so the lover's card is a great card to pull out just when you want to be in that headspace and body space, right? Because you look at the card and you think of sensuality and meeting kind of that perfect other. Oh. Ooh, mine's pretty scandalous, too. So mine is the Terror of the Old Path. This is the deck that I've had for years and only started using since Sasha came on the show last year. It's very naked bodies in the grass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good, good stuff. Now, yeah. now, the interesting kind of deep esoteric meaning of this card, although every card holds an infinite number of meanings, is the idea of choice. I think that's really important when you're looking at the love choices that you make in your life. What do you mean by choice, though? Because when you choose to go to bed with someone, to fall in love with someone. If I guess it can be argued you don't really have a choice with who you fall in love with, do mm. you? But you do have a choice in how you act within that relationship. And so there's this idea of a coming together of opposites in the lover's card that is very much in your power and in, in your control. So again, it goes back to giving you that reminder that you have the power to bring things into your life or to recognize things gotcha. when they appear. The polar opposite, but still most important card in the deck regarding love is the devil card. In the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot, the devil card is literally the polar opposite of the lover's card. So you still have the male and the female, but instead of in the Garden of Eden, they're like down in a devil cave, maybe even in hell. And instead of an archangel over them, you see, well, the archangel of the devil uh, over them. And so what was once beautiful, bountiful, and full of love, they're now enslaved by this evil dark master. Uh, why is this helpful when we talk about love relationships? Well, because the devil card represents power and control issues. It represents the subconscious. It represents the things that are negative that are in our subconscious that we bring into our relationships. So it's a way to look at what is it that I need to deal with in order to love better. I guess when you're looking to do like deep love work, shadow work, that's when you want to pull out the devil card or... If you're involved in a romantic relationship that is experiencing a lot of trouble or tumultuousness, you can look at the devil card and, and kind of figure out what role you're playing in all of it. And, and the last one? The last card I've picked for love, and actually it may be the best one that you could use, especially if you're someone who's actively seeking a love that maybe is not available in your life right now, is the world card. Now, the world card is the final card of the tarot deck, and it represents complete integration of the self and the universe and the things that you're doing. And it talks about really being in the present moment. How does this relate to love? It means that you are so in the flow that when you encounter love, you recognize it and you accept it and you integrate it and it's like a dance. <gasps> I want, oh, I like this card. I'm keeping this card out. So I would say, yeah. <laughs> that's how I want everything in life to be. I want well, everything in life to be the world. Exactly. And that's why it's the last card in the deck, yeah. right? It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate integration of yeah. everything you are. 
Yay. So listeners on lovebitesradio.com right now are Sasha's basics for one a card day flipping. And then would you be cool if we take photos of these three cards as well so people can see? And I'll take a photo of my three cards in my deck too so people can see how they're a little bit different. Yes. So right now on lovebitesradio.com, magically with the power of the internet, those things are there right now for your viewing pleasure. So in a minute, we're going to break down how to pick a personal talisman from the deck, similarly to how we discussed pulling these love cards. So listen to a few words from our sponsor, and we'll be back with more from Sasha Graham coming to you from Kettle Space Tribeca. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. And we are back with tarot reader Sasha Graham. Mm. So, Sasha, last year, the second half of the show, Ben and I each talked on about our personal struggles at the time and you flipped a card for each of us and then guided us through how that card could help us out. We're going to hear a little bit about how she interpreted the card that she flipped for me and around this time last year in October I had just gotten back from Portugal. I was going through a lot of neurological issues with my illness and so I was having a problem with words and with writing and (laughs) this is when I was dating those three guys and so things were very confusing and I was going from that recording to a date with the guy that I liked the most who was another writer. And there was, so there was a lot of stuff going on. And this is the card that we flipped and Sasha's interpretation of that card for me. So have a listen. We'll go ahead and we'll pull a card and I'm going to find one message, one image, one symbol that you can keep in mind and kind of keep it there like a safe harbor. And the card you chose... Oh, is the Knight of Swords, which is so applicable for this situation because swords and tarot represent the intellect and articulation and communication. So it's really all about the way we articulate ourselves in the world. The Knight of Swords is very fast, very quick, very romantic. Knights always represent romance. So I love that that came up for your question. So the image that you want to keep in mind, he's wearing this beautiful steel coat of armor. And I want you to feel yourself ensconced in armor and feel the wind on your face and feel what this character is feeling because you are protected. You would not be having this experience if it weren't something that you are ready to deal with and that you're going to learn a lot from. Just know that you're always doing the best that you possibly can and that you're protected no matter what. And if some fellow that you go on a date with can't see that, well, that's his loss. (laughs) I want you to keep the idea idea of the night, of that protectiveness, of that cold, sharp steel. And the reason that it's cold is because it's precise and it's direct and it is intellectual and it is yours and it is your sword and you will 
continue to carry it and you're going to be fine because you're a fighter. And that's what the Knights of Terror are. So, listeners, what happened after that show, though, is that without Sasha advising me to, I started flipping a card a day. And five out of ten times for months, I would flip that Knight of Swords. He was just he just kept coming up. Like, 50% of the time, I would do three shuffles, I would cut it, and he would still come up. And he became both a reminder for me to do what you said, to remember to steal myself, to have this confidence, to have this surety, but also it was like he was this buddy on my back mm-hmm. that sort of I felt him with me and as this reminder, and like you said before the break about the subconscious, it was sort of like my brain was working and thinking about that, and it was really helping me, I think, neurologically and emotionally to remember these things. So can you talk us through how someone can sort of find their own talisman, let's Mm -hmm. call it, Mm -hmm. in a similar way? I'm glad that you brought up the fact that he kept appearing for you in your daily draws. And that's something that happens all the time with tarot. And it's crazy. I can actually... So crazy. Crazy. I kept Instagram and be like, Sasha, I'm here again. And I did that like (laughs) twice out of the... 15 times that it kept happening. Yes, yes. And it's it's a funny thing because you'll be able to look back at your life yes. and it'll be the Knight of Swords period yeah. for you. I, I have I have the same I have Emperor periods and Wheel of Fortune periods and it's amazing that they keep coming up for us just sort of to say like, look at me, look at me, or I'm here, I've got your back. Yeah. And those things I think are really a gift. So That is one way, actually, inadvertently to find a talisman in your tarot deck is that it's the card that just keeps showing Mm. up. And it's a really fun thing to figure out, well, why? What is that? You know, what is it about this card? Because maybe maybe it's just something that you don't know why, you know, the Ten of Cups keeps showing up or the Nine of Cups keeps showing up. And so it gives you an opportunity to explore what's inside of that card. And this is a good question, right? What is inside of the card? What gives the card their meanings? Well, there are traditional meanings to the cards, but every single experience any of us has can be filtered through the view of tarot and of a card. And so one of the joys of learning how to use the deck is learning how to kind of put your life on top of it. So it's really helpful to pull a talisman actually actively and say either randomly pulling it, you know, just shuffling a card, or specifically pulling a card that you really like, that you really dig, that you really want to engage with on a daily basis. So it's okay if I photocopy the world and throw that on the back of my phone for a while. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, people, you know, a lot of ch- a lot of people tattoo their favorite tarot card images. Right. I think the Three of Swords is one of the most, actually. Really? Yeah, because it's kind of hardcore. Heart, it is very swords, hardcore. But it's, but it's beautiful. Graphically, it's right. really beautiful. Photocopy it or, like, put it as your screensaver digitally. Yeah. It's so easy to put one of your talisman cards anywhere and everywhere. Maybe you color it with like a tarot coloring book. Maybe you draw your own versions of it while you're kind of thinking about the card and what it means for you. So, you know, the the sky's the limit in terms of how you can bring one into your life. And a lot of people say, okay, well, how do I know when I'm done? Like I've been working like with the world card because I love that dancer connected energy, but I feel like I'm ready for something new. Like how do I know? Yeah, I definitely hit that point with my night. After I had gotten through a couple of really hard months, I realized that the armor wasn't serving me anymore, that I had put up so much emotional armor around this anxiety that I had Mm -hmm. this very legitimate, very valid as to why I needed to steal myself. But then Mm -hmm. I realized that I was doing it too much and not letting people in. 
in. And mm-hmm. so I needed to take off the armor. Yes. And I needed, and I was sort of sad, but I sort of had to be like, buddy, I've got to let you, I got to put you down and I need to find somebody else. Yes. Yeah. And, and this is, and this is what you're describing is so part and parcel of the human condition. And it's actually how things that we once needed very greatly, we, we need to be able to let go. Like when I say things, behaviors, say, mm-hmm. for instance, that once really protected us, don't necessarily need to be with us, you know, five years into a situation. So being willing to let, whether it's a behavior, whether it's a tarot card, whether being able to let those things go so that something new can come in is like the healthiest thing that you can do. I think when you get to the point where you're like, okay, you either know that it's time to pull a card or maybe you actively choose a card, say, for every month or for mm. every week. Some people pull one card for the year. That's something you can determine ahead of time. So fun. It is so fun. And you can <laughs> do really fun things. Like you can honor that card that you're putting away with a, a ritual, which with a thank you. I mean, he'll be shuffled back into the deck, so he's oh, still he there. Yeah. You know? And I gave my photocopy night to somebody who needed him right now. It's such a beautiful way yeah. of keeping the energy alive, right. right? You're passing that on to someone else who's going to take that and then do some, I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. So before we close out, is there anything that you want listeners to know that we haven't covered in these shows about how to use the tarot to bring more love into their space? Well, regarding love, I just keep asking, keep asking really, really good questions. And something that, um, something kind of extraordinary that I realized working and writing this new book that I've been working on over the summer. And actually I had a really big realization yeah, tell about, us about the, tell us about the book too. What so I'm writing a, or I'm, I'm just about done writing a book. Uh, it's the Llewellyn complete guide to the writer Waite Smith deck, which is the most familiar deck. It's the most, the best selling deck in the world, uh, to date. And so I've written the, the complete guide to it. Um, what is underpinning this particular deck is this deep esoteric practice from these 20th century magicians from the esoteric order of the of the golden dawn so unpacking what the cards truly meant meant that i had to go really deep into the esoteric symbolism in the hebraic tree of life um and actually it led me i wasn't expecting it to lead me quite so specifically to exploring a path towards divinity and you could look at the path towards divinity as actually being the path towards the ultimate love right and something that I learned in doing it and it relates very specifically is to romantic love right like why does love feel like a drug like why is the Mm. first four months of any relationship like the best most delicious gooeyest like oh my god it's the reason I live why is that I honestly believe that love is a drug in the same way that psychedelic drugs exist. I think the West has it really messed up. I think that they think that tripping on mushrooms or acid and ecstasy is like this really fun recreational thing you can do. Well, yeah, I guess it is. Mm -hmm. But really, in my opinion, I think that the reason psychedelics exist is it's like taking an elevator, you know, to the top of a skyscraper so you can see the view. I like you more and more. <laughs> right? Like, in that moment, you know, right. when, you're, when you're experiencing yeah. it and your mind is open, is so open you realize yeah. what your mind is capable of. So then you come down and your job is to spend the rest of your life. Your work is to spend the rest of your life getting there on your own. Right. Without the drug. And I I really think 
romantic love it operates in exactly the same way. It's a head rush. It like hits the heroin centers of your head. It's so, so intense. Biologically, it's there so that we move forward as a human race. Uh, but spiritually, emotionally, and for every other reason that it's there, mm -hmm. it's giving us the ultimate form of love. No relationship has that kind of intensity a year, two years, 20 years down the line. But having experienced it, it's our work to infuse as much of that, not only in our romantic relationships, but in all of the relationships and all of the loving relationships that we have in our life and even in the way that we experience the world. Well, I have a put you on the spot question for you then to close us out. Yeah. What is for listeners who have been in a relationship for a while and are out of the druggy romantic headspace mm -hmm. and could maybe use a card to help them, help their wheels turn to maybe inspire them to do something or change something or get them even temporarily back into that lovey-dovey space? What card could they work with, focus on, think about, bring into their space that might inspire them to, to get back there, even just for a little bit? Magician card. Magician. 100% the magician card. Because the magician card is actively engaged. He's actively engaged with channeling energy from above. As above, so below. It's the esoteric famous saying. He's, he's literally channeling divine energy, spiritual energy from above, and he's the conduit bringing it down to earth. And he's in charge of what he does with that energy yeah. once he channels it. So he teaches us to open up. Fun. Magic. So speaking of magic right now, there's information at lovebitesradio.com about that card too. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of Love Bites Radio. For more on Sasha, head to sashagram.com and you'll find information there in May about the new book that's coming out. Yeah, my book will be out uh, in May of 2018 and I have my first tarot deck coming out in October Yay. October of 2018 oh wonderful oh that's yes. going to be so exciting I cannot wait for that so if you want um, to find out updated information about me Jacqueline Raposo and my darling podcast partner in arms Ben Rosenblatt we are also at lovebitesradio.com and on all social platforms as at lovebitesradio and for that discount that I promised you, for 20% off your first month of membership at Kettle Space, use the code LOVEBITES. They are so sweet to us for letting us record here. So Love Bites gets you 20% off your first month of membership. Thank you, as always, to our Heritage Radio Network team and to you for listening. Remember to always give love to yourself and others. Love for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.